Today on Hardwired. Every believer has a gift. Every believer has at least a singular gift from God. And it comes with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is the New Testament anointing. And with that anointing, with that gift comes an appointing. God gives you something that other people need. Every one of you have a gift that somebody else needs. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you for joining us. We've been talking about Bible characters that went through incredible trials, difficulties, I mean fiery ordeals, and yet they emerged on the other side in a place of promotion, stronger, better, more mature than before the trial ever began. And today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite Old Testament characters, and likely one of yours as well, David. And David's dilemma, what he faced in trial, and how he overcame. I believe this is really going to speak to you. And listen, if you're down and out, if you're struggling, if your faith is being challenged to the nth degree, tune in, listen carefully, grab a Bible, and track with me as we look at David's dilemma and how he came out shining from his trials. Let's go. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'm gonna continue my series today on God never wastes a pain. How many of you have had a little bit of pain since you were saved? Anybody pain-free since you were saved? Are you alive? If you're alive, you have pain. And we're gonna look at how God never wastes a pain. I want us to quote sort of the key verse we, most of us know by memory. Romans 8, 28, but God is able. Can you say it with me? But God is able to make all things work together for the good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. All of you who are called, raise your hand. If you're saved, you're called. If you're saved, you're called. If you're called, you're saved. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to jump right into the middle of the story of David and his young years. I'm preaching today on David's dilemma. David's dilemma. 1 Samuel 16 verse 12, Samuel has visited the house of Jesse. David had, uh, there were eight sons in Jesse's house. Samuel has seen seven of them. The Lord has said no to every one of them though they looked right, looked good, looked like leadership material. He finally said, isn't there anybody else? Is there an, another son? Oh yeah, there's another one out there in the fields, herding sheep. Get him over here. So they have called David. And we jump in in verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes. That means beautiful eyes in the Hebrew and good looking. 
And the Lord said to Samuel's heart, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And I want you to say with me, it did not make their day. Because little bro is being anointed the next king. Don't think they were rejoicing with him, because they weren't. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Father, we thank you for your word today. I know, Lord, that many of us in here are in struggles, are in valleys, in difficult times, in perplexing circumstances. And we need to know, Lord, that you don't even waste a pain, but the hand of sovereignty and the hand of providence is moving in ways that we cannot see. And yet, Lord, we believe it, and we thank you for it. Open our eyes through this story in Jesus' name. Amen. I love these stories in the Old Testament, and I want you to understand that for David, it all began. For David, everything began with an anointing from God. It all began with an anointing from God. And as is God's way, once he anoints you, he appoints you to a task. He does not anoint you, but what he's got an appointing for a task. He anoints you for a task. The anointing, then comes the appointing. And he often gets you to the task by creating a need for what you have. When God anoints you, he gives you something that other people need. And I want you to understand today, church, that every one of you have been anointed by God. Simon Peter in his epistle wrote about every believer has a gift. Every believer has at least a singular gift from God. And it comes with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is the New Testament anointing. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is the New Testament anointing. And with that anointing, with that gift comes an appointing. God gives you something that other people need. Every one of you have a gift that somebody else needs. God often gets us to the task he has for us by creating a need for what we have. I have never personally sought out ministry, not ever. I've never knocked on doors to get into ministry. I've never tried to make something happen. God called me and then he always created a need for my particular gift and I always walked into the created need and met the need. And that's the way that God works. If you'll read the story, David was a worshiper with an anointing that repelled demons. That was one of his many gifts. He would play the harp and his anointing for music would repel demons. In that way, he's a type of Christ because Jesus repelled demons. The gift that was cultivated in the shadows when nobody was looking, when he was out there under the stars, sleeping in the fields, playing songs to God, writing psalms, that gift that had been in the shadows now came to light because Saul is being troubled by a demon. And God is creating a need for David's gift. The Bible says that Saul became so troubled, he said to one of his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. He's a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord, most of all, the Lord is with him. 
Somebody is watching you while you're in the shadows who's going to talk about you when it's time for you to come into the light. And it says they sought David out and brought him to Saul. And here is the king of Israel, troubled by a devil, troubled by a demon spirit. And David pulled out the harp and he began to play. And the Bible says as he played that Saul experienced relief and deliverance from the demon spirit. As David ministered deliverance, it says he became Saul's armor bearer, which is exactly what God wanted. God put a call on him, anointed him, then he appointed him, then he created a need for his gift. Then when he met that need, he stepped into the very position God wanted him in. When God anoints you, listen to me, church, carefully to this. This is the way he works. He creates a need for what you have. He gets you to the task by anointing you to meet that need. And then he keeps you there by anointed relationship. He gets you there by meeting a need. He keeps you there by divine relationship. Because suddenly here is Saul, and he experiences a love for this young man, this teenager who could play a harp and drive out demons. Both Saul and his son, Jonathan, if you read the story, greatly loved David. That love was a divine connection because this is exactly where God wanted David. He opened the door to the very place he wanted his future king to be. What are the odds that the king would be troubled by a demon and somebody would have seen you in the shadows, in the fields, playing your harp, ministering to God? What are the odds they would mention it to the king and the king would bring you into his court? And when you played, he would experience relief to the level that he would say, you be my armor bearer. And then the king loved him. His son loved him. The favor of God was manifested all over David's life. When God appoints, he also gives favor, and that favor opens doors. Many of you have favor. If you're a child of God, you do have favor. You have the favor of the Son of God. And he's got an anointing on you, and because of that, there is an appointing. There is a task. There is somewhere there is a need, and you're the answer. Oh, I love the providence of God and the sovereignty of God and the moving of the hand of God. He's never checkmated by the devil. He knows exactly what he's doing. He takes our pain and out of it brings gain. The favor of God is often manifested through relationships. The purpose of God is often revealed by how you're received by others. I learned a long time ago when God is opening a door for me, it is invariably uh, confirmed by the fact that I'm received. I want to go where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. How about you? God's purposes are often revealed by giving us favor with people. They like us, and, and some of them can't even tell you why. They'll even say to you, I don't know why, but I like you. So here is David. He's been received by Saul. He's been received by Jonathan because they had a need, and David met that need under the anointing of God, but then the nation needed him because the entire nation came under the attack of the Philistines, and there was a giant named Goliath, and you know the story. If anybody has ever heard about the Bible, they know about David and Goliath because now the giant of the Philistines is taunting and mocking and ridiculing the God of the people of Israel, and David can't stand it. They don't understand, they don't know that David has slain a bear in secret and a lion in secret. He has seen the hand of God move to destroy the enemies in his life. So he has faith that this giant will also come down too. And he walks out and faces him with a sling and with a stone, smacks him in the forehead. He falls down and overnight, David is an international hero. The nation had a need. 
And David had an anointing to meet that need. And when he met that need, the door was opened and they received him. It says, after the slaying of Goliath, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Divine connection. I believe in divine encounters and divine connections. I don't believe that a believer just happens anything. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I believe that the footsteps of the children of God are ordered by a sovereign, providential God, even though you don't see it. Come on, everybody. Often what we think is just a good idea, in retrospect, we realize it was a God idea. God was ordering our steps and we just didn't see it or know it. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear. And that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. The whole kingdom received David, not just Jonathan and not just Saul, but the Bible says, so David went out wherever Saul sent him and he behaved wisely and Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted, received, accepted, received in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Not only did all the people receive him, but Saul's servants received him. He was universally accepted by the whole kingdom of Israel. Favor, favor. Somebody had a need, David met that need by the anointing of God and the appointing of God and it was confirmed by the receiving of people. Now at this juncture in his life, you gotta think about it, he's hardly 20 years old. Can you imagine that? He's hardly 20 years old. He's leading Saul's army. The whole kingdom considers him a hero. He's a legend in his own time. He would have been on the cover of every magazine in the country if he lived today. At this juncture, David has reached the zenith of his life, an open door to the king's house. He comes in and out any time that he wants, loved by the royal family, an international hero, the favored patriotic son of Israel, and all of this by 20. David was in the zone. That's a great place to be in the zone. Until, there's always an until. Until, until life threw him an unexpected curveball. The Bible says in 18, chapter 18 and verse six, now it happened, it happened. No, it didn't just happen. This was God, but this is what the Bible says, it happened. That as they were coming home, when David was, was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul. They came to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy and with musical instruments but they sang a song that changed David's life. It said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. 
Let me tell you something. David's brothers were not blessed when they saw him anointed to be king. Saul was not blessed when as the king he heard a song being sung, a top 40 Israeli hit, and the theme was Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. I mean, it crawled all up and down him. It did not make his day. It did not make his year. Saul would never be the same from this point on, and neither would David. Then Saul was very angry, the Bible says, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have? Uh-oh, but the kingdom. So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and that means viewed him with suspicion. He became number one on Saul's hit list. He was the number one most wanted after this. From this point on, everything began to change. David's former mentor now became a monster. We read of the tragic decline of their relationship in many places in the Bible. Here's one, 1 Samuel 18, 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. So he was afraid of him because the Lord was with him. You know, some people don't just dislike you. They dislike you because they sense on you him. It's that heavenly fragrance. They really don't know what it is that drives them nuts when they get around you, what repels them, what disturbs them. As long as you're not being obnoxious, as long as you're not being difficult, if you're walking in love and you're being kind and loving and long-suffering and they don't like you, it's because, and they may not fully understand it, but they sense that the Lord is on you, the Lord is within you, and the Lord is with you. Oh man, he got into bad circumstances after this happened. It says twice after this, Saul tried to kill him with a spear. Can you imagine sitting there at dinner and at the end of dinner you see in your host's hand a spear and something funny comes into his eyes and he leans back, pulls his hand back and hurls a spear at you? That's when you say, it's been real, God bless you. I believe the next invitation I will decline. When jealousy enters the heart, there is always a spear in the hand. When jealousy enters the heart, there's a spear in the hand. Once he attempted to kill David by placing him in a difficult battle, thinking that in the battle he would be killed. The Bible says that in another time, he sent assassins to kill him. Saul used spies, he used bribes, and he used an army in his attempts to kill David. At first it was veiled and shielded and in the shadows, but now he's being brazen about it. I want you dead. I don't care who knows it. I'm gonna vilify you. I'm gonna demonize you. I'm gonna criticize you and slander you till nobody in Israel will have a thing to do with you. And if I find you, I'm gonna kill you because you're not getting my throne. There were times when you read David's story, his fears got the best of him, and I'm so glad the Bible tells the truth about the people in it. It makes me feel better. There were times when his fears got the best of him, and he leaned on the flesh rather than on faith. For instance, when he knew that Saul was out to get him, he fled. He went to the temple where Abiathar the priest was, and he lied to him. And in fear and in state of panic, thinking that Saul was three steps behind him, he said to Abiathar the priest, he said, hey, listen, Saul has sent me on a journey. Saul has sent me on a task, to do a task. He sent me on a mission. You know what? We don't have enough food. And so because we're in a hurry to get to this mission, we need some food. Can we eat the showbread that is dedicated to God? Do you mind if we just grab some bread from the temple and then move on down the road to fulfill Saul's mission for us? 
Abiathar looked him up and down. Something didn't sound right. Something didn't ring true. It rattled around in his spirit for a minute, but this was David. This was David who had slain tens of thousands. This was the giant killer. So he said, well, sure, David, here, here, here's some bread. And David said, do you have any weapons? Now it's really strange and funny. What do you mean? Saul sent you on a mission and you don't have weapons? Well, we're kind of short a sword or two. So he says, okay, well, we do have one sword here. It's the sword you brought here, David, and that you put in the house of God. It's the trophy sword. It's Goliath's sword. It's right there on the wall. David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. Listen to me, church. Today's victories often produce tomorrow's weapons. Today's victories often produce tomorrow's weapons. Do you think that David ever imagined when he dedicated that sword to the glory of God and the house of God, that one day he would need to take it to protect himself from an insane king? Life throws curveballs. And sometimes it doesn't look like God's in charge, but he is. David took it and he fled. Well, it wasn't long. There was somebody standing right there. His name was Doeg the Edomite. And Doeg went and told Saul, David was just in the temple. He took food, he took the sword. Saul came, he approached the priest and he said to him, is this what happened? He said, I didn't know anything about this problem with you and dad. I didn't know he was doing anything wrong. And Saul right there commanded Doeg the Edomite to slaughter not only the priest, but 85 other priests. And there was bloodshed and slaughter of every priest in the house of God. Word came to David later and David knew if I hadn't panicked, if I hadn't lied, if I hadn't misrepresented myself to the priest, he would be alive today. He had to deal with that guilt. Then he went in front of Akish, the king of the Philistines, and he heard Akish turn to somebody and say, hey, isn't that the giant killer? And isn't that the one who killed tens of thousands? Isn't this the one the women of Israel are singing about? And David was afraid. So here's what he did. He started frothing at the mouth. He got a crazy look in his eyes and he acted like he was completely insane. Started clawing the walls. And in acting insane like that, the Bible makes it clear, he dishonored himself. He was leaning on manipulation of flesh instead of trusting God to protect him. And that was in a state of panic at the end of his life, or not at the end of his life, at the end of his time from fleeing from Saul. He joined the Philistine army, went to the city called Ziklag and looked to the Philistines for protection instead of God. There were times David walked in fear and lost his faith, yet God still blessed him, still carried him through, still saw his heart. Everybody say amen. amen. Now as bad turned to worse, the Bible says, quote, so David saw that Saul had resolved, made up his mind, determined to seek his life. Now, I don't know, folks, if you know what that would be like, to know that there was an extremely capable person out there who had at his beck and call an army, and he had made up his mind that his number one mission in life was to kill you. Many of the Psalms were written in response to this constant chase, this stalking on the part of Saul. He who had ridden the crest of popularity and success like none other suffered a reversal of fortunes like none other. One man wrote, he ran through soggy fields and down slimy riverbeds. Sometimes the dogs came close. Sometimes they even found him, but swift feet, rivers and watery pits hid him. He took his food from the fields, dug roots from the roadside, slept in trees, hid in ditches, crawled through briars and mud. For days he ran 
not daring to stop, not daring to eat. He drank the rain half naked, all filthy. On he walked, stumbled, crawled, and clawed. Caves were castles now. Pits were home. In times past, mothers had always told their children that if they did not behave, they'd end up like the town drunk. No longer. They had a better, more frightening story. Be good or you'll end up like the giant killer. Is this David they're talking about? The anointed, the appointed, the poet, the man after God's own heart? What was all this? Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, Your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.